News you can use every hour on News Radio 1000 KTOK, Oklahoma's first news. Lee Matthews could help you feel that good. Gutless. Gutless. Lee Matthews. I dare you to call me that today. I dare you to call me that today. Uh, good afternoon. It's Lee Matthews coming to you live from Full Circle Books, 7 past 5 o'clock. And we've got uh, beautiful 86 degrees. We're having an autograph party here. John Dwyer is joining me. He's the new author of the uh, new book, Short Grass. And introduce our uh, guest of honor for this next couple of, uh, couple of minutes. This is a true Oklahoma celebrity and hero, Major General Stanley Newman. And, and Lee, all he did to start his career was fly 57 missions in a P-51 Mustang in the European Air War. Your new book deals with uh, World War II and the Dust Bowl, but uh, general characters like yourself, do you... Uh, do you remember that first time that you knew you were going to war? Oh, yes, indeed I do. Uh, we were out playing touch football and uh, came back into our fraternity house at the University of Illinois campus. And somebody said, Pearl Harbor's been bombed. And I didn't know where Pearl Harbor was. Mm-hmm. They said, that's Hawaii. And then we knew we were going to war. Well, uh, I know you saw a lot of action, a lot of action, and I probably could talk to you all day, but uh, if you could give us maybe when, when start to finish uh, through the war, what, was there one image that stuck with you that you remember more than any other? Well, probably uh, the time that two of, it, two of us fly P-51s, and gave two of the German jets, the ma 262s And they were new at that time. This was experimental oh, craft. Oh, yeah, they were fast. Uh, I made a pass to this one guy. I was doing 500 miles an hour, which was the max speed for the P-51. And by the time I got into range, he turned those ledges up and he was gone. He didn't <laughs> that be like, I felt like getting out of the walk because I was standing still. But, he was in a Cadillac. You were in a Chevrolet. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. He, I think he was more like he's with a Porsche. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk with more of our American heroes as we get ready for Memorial Day. And, John, we're going to talk to you about your book, some of the other books that are, 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 people are signing today as well. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, great, great reminder that World War II is such a big part of our history and that there is literature uh, uh, with us today that those of us who are younger can learn about this incredible generation that carved out our history for us. All right, and come by and get. We're going to give some uh, books away a little later on right now, updating you on traffic and weather together on News Radio 1000 KTOK and Facebook Live. Thanks for joining us. News Radio 1000 KTOK and Lee Matthews. It's a quarter past five o'clock. Good afternoon. Having a good time here at Full Circle Books. And we're having an autograph party with John Dwyer. Hello, John. Hello, Mr. Lee. Your newest book. It is a historical novel. It is. It's uh, called uh, Short Grass, and it hits close to home for Oklahoma folks. It's about a uh, good old Oklahoma farm boy growing up uh, during the Dust Bowl. So folks that know about my other books, such as The Oklahoman's History, but know that I, I'm a historian. I teach at Southern Nazarene University, so I love to weave history into even my, my fictional, my historical novels. And this young man is growing up in the Dust Bowl. He's a Mennonite, mm-hmm. so he is a pacifist, but unfortunately he has great athletic ability, becomes a 
football star at the University of Oklahoma on their first great team, a natural aviator, uh, accomplished, and then the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. So he's left with a great uh, dilemma of decision on what to do at that point. Not unlike uh, the general who's with us who flew several missions. How many so far? Well, 57 in Europe. Yeah. Now, following the war, did you stay in aviation at all? Oh, yeah, I did. I stayed in I got out uh, right after the war ended and uh, went back to finish up my two years as an aeronautical engineer at the University of Illinois. And, but I stayed in the reserves and flew until the Korean War came along. Mm-hmm. And we got called up for that. And uh, well, it's been there ever since. I got retired in 1983. Wow. 40 years. Fantastic. Lee, uh, I think you and uh, the general were talking earlier. He had quite an interesting final day of World War II. Yeah, it really was. Uh, two of us were out uh, on a reconnaissance mission to see what was going on behind the German lines. And uh, we got uh, bounced by two German FW-190 fighters. And it broke up into two separate little, little engagements. And... Uh, we knew the war was over because they told it briefest the night before. Well, I guess these guys wanted to fight to the end, but uh, I didn't want to kill them. And uh, we got down pretty low, and I was able to get in a position where I could shoot a few rounds over his cockpit. And uh, he bellied the airplane in, and I came on around and uh, to see how they were doing. He was, he was out of the airplane. He's shaking his this at me, and uh, I'm not sure, but I think he might have said I was number one. Okay, that was, yeah, yeah. Nine American, nine American, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, General, I know you've got a graduation ceremony to attend tonight. So yeah, My, uh, my great-granddaughter. All right, we want to wish, what's her name? Her name is Melissa. Melissa, okay, well, Melissa, and she's graduating from? Uh, you know what? Okay. Where these black hats does come to your memory? That's all right. <laughs> In fact, it wasn't Melissa at all. It was Gracie. Gracie. Okay. <laughs> Gracie and Melissa, either one will understand. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you for making time with us this afternoon. My pleasure. All righty. We're at Full Circle Books on News Radio 1000 KTOK. And, John, uh, you have some of your other uh, books here as well. And tell us about some of the other authors who are signing books as well. Sure. There's some uh, a great roundtable. I think we're going to actually have that next hour yep. of uh, folks that have, are writing contemporaneously World War II fiction. Dusty Richards, a three-time Spur Award winner, Western Writers of America, Cecilia Wilson has a great new uh, World War II book uh, out that's based in Germany called Back to Bremen. So uh, there's, if anybody out there listening is intrigued by that uh, era, by the greatest generation, by what their challenges were today's a day, come to full circle and you can literally read all about it. Going to give away some uh, copies of your book. In fact, right now, the, you, you can't already be here, unfortunately. But uh, if you're driving and you want to stop off here at 50 Penn Place, otherwise known as the Matthews Office Building, tell us how many missions now, how many missions did the general fly? All right, we got a free book for you. Short graph, it'll be autographed. Uh, short grass, it'll be autographed by John J. Dwyer, who's here, among all the other authors. We also have some of the other members of America's Greatest Generation because we're getting ready for a Memorial Day that can't be beat. Uh, our next guest coming up in just a minute. We'll have to do traffic and weather, but let's tease folks a little bit about who's coming up. Sure. Well, this is a guy that uh, those of you that are familiar with Pelesti, uh, the great Romanian oil fields, some of the most brutal uh, aerial missions in history. Uh, this guy flew on all. 
all he did was serve as a tail gunner on a B-24 Liberator. And he'll tell you the stories, but one of them that uh, amazed me the most was when an ME-109 uh, shot out the entire back plexiglass of his plane. He had to fly home uh, with a little natural air conditioning it was at 25,000 feet. <laughs> all right, that story coming up on News Radio 1000 KTOK live at 4. Lee Matthews taking the drive on the road today. We are live uh, in full circle books here at News Radio 1000 KTOK. Starting Memorial Day a bit early. I know a lot of people taking Friday off, and we're doing it with a book signing party. John J. Dwyer's book, Short Grass. We've also got some of the other Oklahoma authors, like Dusty Richards. Uh, he's here signing copies of his book as well, and uh, other authors as well. We're getting ready for a. Uh, uh, a Memorial Day, so we, since a lot of these books deal with some of the greatest generation, we wanted to talk to some of the greatest generation, one of whom is Bill Williams, who's here. Bob Williams. Bob Williams, I apologize. <laughs> uh, you are a World War II vet. You were a tail gunner in a B-24. That's correct. Uh, did So you know what the whole nine yards is all about. Yes, or ten yards. It was ten yards. Okay. <laughs> it was ten. Was it not ten yards of uh, of ordnance that you had in the forty caliber? Or <laughs> no, they were fifty caliber machine guns. They were fifty. Okay. Two of my very own mm-hmm. in a tail turret of a B twenty four bomber. And of those ten yards, <laughs> about how many rounds was that? Oh, we had hundreds of rounds. That. Come back through metal tracks. Yeah. So that probably a couple of thousand. Okay. Did you worry as a tail gunner about running out? Did you have to temper your? Uh, your no. Okay. Did not. Yeah. Just let it rip. Let it yeah. rip. Now you know, for someone like me who has only been in the B-24s when they're at air shows, it looked to me like you had to be kind of a small guy to get back there. Well, I weighed about 175, and okay. I couldn't close the bomb, my, my turret doors. I okay. was too big for it. I wonder, you were too long because yes. you, your feet would hang out. <laughs> and Okay. See, I wondered about that because yeah. I'm, I'm six foot and 206 pounds, and I had a hard time walking through that airplane. And I thought to myself, they didn't build these for, for large men. No, they did not. Yeah. And I flipped a coin and became a tail gunner, and the fellow I... Flip the coin with a little bitty gun, he became the nose gunner. Oh, of course. <laughs> he had all the room in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we teased this story uh, going into the break about uh, your adventure flying over the Romanian airfields. Uh, it was the Allies' mission to bomb those oil fields, I gather. Yes. Mm-hmm. But even more than that for myself, we bombed Vienna, the rail yards, because mm. they served the whole Russian front. Mm-hmm. So we'd go up there, and there, they had 300 ammo, 300 anti-aircraft guns to bear on us. Wow! So, but our bomb rounds were only about 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and then we'd get out of there as, quickly as quick as, as you could. could. Yes. Was your base in Great Britain? No, it was in in Italy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Southern Italy, down by Barry. Okay. So it was a long mission then. Well. The bomber didn't fly that fast, uh-huh. and uh, our missions usually lasted, oh, no less than about 10 hours. Okay. And one of them was 14. 
And that's an awful long time to sit in that turret. Absolutely. Now, you weren't allowed to mill about the airplane. Uh, you had to be ready to go at all times. We climbed on the airplane. I got in our turrets. Mm -hmm. As soon as we got in the air, we got in our turrets, and we didn't get out again until we were on our way back to our base. And this story where your plexiglass was shot out on one particular mission, did you? was this over the Romanian airfield, uh, uh, no. oil field? No, this was actually over Vienna. Okay. And the glass was about two inches thick and many, many layers. Mm -hmm. And it would take one cannon shell, and then it would be shattered, and we'd have to kick it out of the plane, mm -hmm. lift the pins and push it out. And so that's what you were forced to do, and then sit back there in that tail turret. Naked. <laughs> freezing to death, yes. Because yes. you were still flying at a, at a considerable altitude. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Except Cloesti, we came in on the ground and climbed and dropped our bombs and mm -hmm. we flew off because we wanted to dodge their anti-aircraft guns. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are so glad that you're here and uh, telling your stories still as part of the greatest generation. Bob Williams, uh, thank you. Don't stop telling your story, okay, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to stop there, telling my story. <laughs> Thank you for your service to our country. We now need to service those who are driving home today with a little news on News Radio 1000 KTOK. News Radio 1000 KTOK, Lee Matthews coming to you live from Full Circle Books. We're down on the first floor of the Matthews Office Building, otherwise known as 50 Pun Place. And uh, we are celebrating the release of Short Grass by John J. Dwyer. Other books by other Oklahoma um, authors are also here with a signing party. So come on in on your way home. We've got uh, bites to eat, and we're also celebrating some of the greatest generation who are here, one of which is Virgil Kennison on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Good afternoon, Virgil, and thank you. Now, you were telling me you had the distinct honor of being the youngest pilot in World War II. In China, Burma, Indian Theater. On that theater, yes. Yeah. What was your What was your craft? Flew what did the, you fly? Flew the C-47. The C-47, yeah. Built out here at Tanker. Yeah. Now, what got you, you're a native of Oklahoma City, what got you to be the youngest uh, pilot? Just just by accident. Uh, uh -huh. I, I was a, I was in high school uh, uh, well, in 1943 at Central High, and yeah. uh, graduation was in May. Mm -hmm. And oh, they came to the uh, high school and offered uh, any senior who wanted to take the uh, qualification mm -hmm. qualification test. Come okay. on in. So anyway, I took it and qualified. They said you could go in. Uh, you could graduate in May, or you can go in on your 18th birthday. And I, was, I said, I'm ready at 18. So yeah. Uh, Did you know you were going into the Air Corps right away? Yeah. Okay. Because I know that. Uh, well, I gathered that there was. You do. I don't know that every everybody had a lot of choice then, or did you? Well, if if that hadn't happened, I knew that. It, 18 that you're drafted yeah okay and that's in the army oh, okay <laughs> i didn't i didn't Alrighty. like that idea i understand so that. i grabbed at the <laughs> opportunity of uh yeah taking the uh, examination for air, air corps yeah at that, that time air corps now of yeah, course they, uh, air force it wasn't air force until 47 yeah yeah now you were on the c-47 so uh what was your most memorable mission 
I guess uh, you might say uh, uh, long towards the end of the war, we'd, we'd been flying missions to starting in the north part of Burma. Mm-hmm. The Japanese had taken Burma, mm-hmm. and the British were in the process of chasing them back, but they needed supplies. And uh-huh. The only way to get supplies is by air. So President Roosevelt and Winston Churchill got together, and Roosevelt said, well, we have the airplanes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they formed the combat cargo, and, and I went over and uh, started flying missions. Mm-hmm. And following the British advance, we we were delivering to the front lines, mm-hmm. and uh, from dawn to dark, mm-hmm. they were being supplied. So it was long days for us. So yeah. we flew every other day. I was going to say about how long was the average mission? It varied. It did, uh, yeah. we, depending as, on where you were. Yeah, flying it went to, through, yeah. Mm-hmm. The towards the end of the war. Uh, the missions were quite long. We were, uh, we had moved into mission all up, upper part of Burma, and we were we were flying as they moved. Mm-hmm. And by the time they got towards Rangoon, we were flying 175 mile missions. I mean, yeah, down there and back. Yeah, and uh, talking about memorable uh, uh, it would be. I arrived at the drop zone mm-hmm. later in the war, and uh, at my first pass, I lost one of the engines. Oh. And it, it wouldn't be possible for one engine to, to, oh, really? to go back home. Oh, wow. I mean, 150 uh-huh. miles, it, mm-hmm. it, that engine wouldn't last. So the Rangoon was about 70 miles beyond and our intelligence before we took our flights each day uh, had told us that the, they were 90% sure that the Japanese were out of Rangoon yeah they weren't, weren't 100% so you so you were we, wondering we yeah. decided to go look anyway uh-huh. <laughs> we could look so we drove, wrote, went down to the airport mm-hmm. and there's no Japanese flag but unfortunately, there wasn't any British flag either. So, so it's a yeah. look. Looks kind of nice this time of year. I get you some well, rice. Another, uh, another part of it that was a little <laughs> shaky was that uh, our people had bombed the, the three runways. Oh, okay. Previously, so when we land? came over, they had been filled up. Mm-hmm. The holes had been filled up, and. Uh, Except one at the at the end of a runway mm-hmm. that said "land here." Well, <laughs> you know, the yeah. Japanese were yeah. known for yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but we we decided to, to, like you had a choice. Our, our yeah. intelligence has said yeah. odds were they were gone, so we gambled a little bit and landed. Have you seen the? Uh, remember the people in Bataan? Oh, yeah. The, the death march. Yeah. We got a replay. Okay. When we landed, that's they, what came out. They of the, were there. Okay. They came out of the uh, airport and uh, medicine. Uh, they were in bad yeah. shape. Well, I was about to say, flying in that country must have been challenging because it was so yeah. 
of so much jungle? Well, not really. I mean, uh, most of the country is plains in the middle of the country. Uh, okay. There were some mountain areas, but uh, in, in general, uh, uh, we didn't deal with mountains. Well, uh, Virgil Kennison, thank you for your story. Thank you for your service to our country. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of our party here that we're throwing at the uh, Full Circle Bookstore as we have our autograph party for many of the Oklahoma authors. The uh, author of Short Grass is here, John J. Dwyer. His book deals with an Oklahoman who becomes a World War II soldier as a pacifist. The name of the book is Short Grass, and that's what we're here celebrating on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Short Grass is the name of the book. It's by John J. Dwyer. We're here at the uh, Full Circle Bookstore, first floor of the Matthews Office Building on News Radio 1000 KTOK. I'm Lee Matthews with The Drive as we get you ready for uh, Memorial Day weekend. The book is out. It was released today, and we're having an autograph party. Also, talking with some of the greatest generation as we get ready for this Memorial Day holiday on News Radio 1000 KTOK. 840-1000, star 1000 if you want to join in the conversation like Jim. Hi, you're on with Lee Matthews. Hello. Go ahead, Jim. Okay, Lee. Uh, Lee, I've got a story about my uncle. Uh, his last name was Palm. That's my name, P-A-L-M. And uh, might have been Uncle Dudley, but it was one of the, my uncles that lived down in Texas, and I never did meet him. And he uh, actually led the raid on Ploeste. And I saw, oh. a, I saw a Roger Mudd uh, thing on tv many years ago and i've never been able to find it but it, you know how they would have things about the second world war and uh so the basic story is this uh my uncle was in charge let's call it one of the squadrons that was going to go on the raid and then he was the high-ranking squadron leader among the uh, another squadron that was going to go this was such an important raid that the base commander was going to go ahead and lead it and so when they started off the base commander was in charge but after they left, he developed engine trouble, so he had to turn around and go back. And so it came to my uncle, and uh, I'll kind of tell it the way Roger Mudd did. He said that uh, home ship was, they had a new navigator because his navigator had been killed. And the, and the navigator that, that was on this raid was, uh, it was the first time he'd ever navigated uh, in the air. So he was a new commodity when things started out. And he talked about how Palm was going along and got to a certain place on the journey and came to a particular landmark and made a turn at that landmark as they were supposed to. And of course, they were flying real low because there was going to be a low level yeah. rate. So he made a he made a stop or he kept going there. And the guy in the, the leader of the squadron behind him thought that it was bad navigation. And he made a turn the other direction and so Palm went on toward the toward Ploeste and after the second squadron commander had been flying the other direction for a while he realized that he was going the wrong direction so he turned around ah. and came back so he came back and when they when they made the raid on Ploeste then uh, they were each coming in from a different direction coming toward each other and they came in low and the Germans said it was the most spectacular display of low-level bombing that they'd ever seen in their life. They couldn't imagine how everybody managed to get come from different directions and not hit each other. And the Germans were really impressed by the whole thing. 
So that's, that's well, that's fantastic, much. Jim. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, that's it's uh, it's stories like that that I just love hearing from some of our greatest generation. We're going to hear some more of those stories coming up. Also, some of our current generation, uh, Steve Coleman, chairman of the Oklahoma Honor Flights, is going to tell us how we are honoring some of these uh, gentlemen and how you can help honor them as well. News Radio 1000 KTOK, it's The Drive with Lee Matthews. We're having an autograph party here for the debut of the novel Short Grass. It's about the Dust Bowl days and also uh, about World War II. So we have some of the greatest generation here. And unfortunately, the greatest generation are starting to dwindle in numbers. Amazingly, a lot of them haven't even seen the uh, memorial in Washington, D.C. that is in their honor. Steve Coleman and uh, his group, Oklahoma Honor Flight, want to change that. Good afternoon, Steve. Yes, sir. Am I correct? You'd like to change that? Well, I think we have changed it. Uh-huh. We have been in existence for almost eight years now, and we have uh, been privileged to take 24 trips to Washington, D.C., taking a total of 2,055 Oklahoma veterans. About 95% of those veterans were World War II veterans. So with the help of uh, many, many Oklahomans uh, giving their money generously and giving their time generously, we've been able to provide that opportunity for the greatest generation. You have one of your board members here who's been on many of the trips. Uh, Randy Kersey. In fact, uh, just coincidentally, Randy was the guardian of Mr. Williams, who was the second veteran that you interviewed. Ah, Captain, interviewed. yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Randy was in charge of... Uh, one of the major components of our program, which was to honor the veterans with a mail call experience, and each of them received a packet of approximately 20 letters from Oklahoma school children thanking them for their service. Oh, that's cool. Very so cool. that yeah. was a labor-intensive uh, project that Randy was in charge of, and uh, perhaps in the next segment he can talk some about that. Sure, Randy. How many how many trips did you go on? Um you know, I lost count, but I think I went on about a dozen. Yeah, and yeah. and each each of them a magical experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very rewarding. Very, uh, um, very interesting. Um, very educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to sit and visit with some of the people that you only had a few minutes with. Sure. On a flight to and from Washington D.C. and then spend the day with them, and. Uh, watch them relive their memories and, and their boyhood. How much did cases. it mean to some of them to, to actually visit? <clears throat> well, it was it was extremely uh, meaningful, very mm-hmm. touching to them. Uh, comments that were made included, you know, this is my final mission. You know, this, yeah, yeah. this tops off my military service. Uh, those types of comments were very common. Honor Flight is the program, Steve and Randy. I hope you'll hang on in the next hour. I'd like to talk more about it and you know about the future of the program, where you all stand now, and how you're helping some of the greatest generation. <clears throat> We're going to talk to John Dwyer again about his book, Short Grass, and uh, he's signing copies of it right here at Full Circle Books, where you can stop by, have some refreshments, meet some of uh, the authors of some of these books, and pick up a copy or two of authentic Oklahoma authors and meet some of the greatest generation on News Radio 1000 KTOK. On the way, we've got traffic and weather together on the tens as promised. The House has yet to vote on a budget bill, and there's just one more day.
And they're still talking about constitutionality. Beth Myers has an update on that in a minute 30. News Radio 1000 KTOK. You can hear KTOK online on iHeartRadio. Brought to you by the law offices of Rod Polston. IRS tax problems? Call Rod Polston at 801-2146 or visit irshelpoklahoma.com. Lee Matthews could help you feel that good. Gutless. Gutless. Lee Matthews. And here we are with the drive on News Radio 1000 KTOK, coming from Full Circle Books. We're on the first floor of the Matthews office building, the mob. Okay, it's 50-pen place. You call it what you like. I call it what I like. And uh, we're not only celebrating the publication of Short Gas by uh, John J. Dwyer, who's a historian of Southern Nazarene University. He's written a historical novel. But we have several other authors who are here, too, signing their books. Cecilia Wilson and uh, your book, Back to Bremen. Yes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yours is historical as well. It is. It is a nonfiction book about uh-huh. a dear friend's um journey from in childhood when she was in World War II. It's a different perspective. It is not a Holocaust story. It is a German mother who was left by herself in the war with eight children that she had to get through the war. So it's a 10-year period of my dear friend Edith's childhood, but it turned out to be this great story about a little bitty German mother who, who becomes a heroine without really even trying. I mean, she just does because she's a mother. You know? When you talk about the World War II era and, you know, Memorial Day is coming up, it, it, the more I read about it, the more I study it, the more I realize, you know, we, we think of it with hindsight of extraordinary people doing extraordinary things, but at the time they didn't think they were. <laughs> that, that's right. And, you know, one of the things I love about Back to Bremen is the fact that this is a very common mom. She just wanted to live her life. Her fear is going crazy. And, uh, you know, it's interrupting her, uh, raising her children. And she doesn't have any designs on being anything other than a mother. Mm-hmm. But by being a mother and by doing what anything and everything she had to do to get her children through the war, she becomes this strong inspiration for this story. It, it's it's a wonderful story. I love it. I've loved it for 20 years, and I'm very proud that it, it is now in book form for people to read. And you're signing copies of that book here. I know there's going to be some people lining up at your table while yes. you're here, but I appreciate you participating in a bit of a, a roundtable, if you will. Dusty Richards is also with us. Our paths kind of indirectly crossed in northwest Arkansas. Once upon a time, you were an agriculture reporter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got up every morning on the TV. I was the first guy on TV before 7 o'clock. They didn't have Everything but New York, you know, and mm-hmm. so you know, I had a lot of friends. I was announcing rodeos at the time, and busy. I had an auction business, everything else. And then this book writing came and that, along. This book writing came along. <laughs> <laughs> now you've written uh, several books that have won some Spur awards. Yes, I've. Yeah. This this book that I'm selling here this evening, the Mustanger and the Lady, won last year's won the book of the year for last year mm-hmm. and that's kind of like winning an oscar to get that so we're we're very proud of that this the book has been made into a movie oh and it's called painted woman and it's going to be released soon i saw it run a week from wednesday i got to see the premiere showing of it and uh, it it's it's a good movie it's not a bad western at all and it's very entertaining and I believe the lady that's the star in it is going to go through the sky. Well, that's, she's an actress. So I've had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. It's a book about a dancehall girl who is under the threat of death. 
because she knows two guys murdered a minor. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to escape. She's not very good at riding a horse. And she fall, she, here this poor old horse gets caught in the desert. And the Mustanger, who likes living alone mm-hmm. and being by himself out there and not having work for people, he can break horses and sell them, catch wild horses. And the two of them meet. Yeah. And before it's all done, there's a lots of exciting events for it. And we call the book from Mustanger and the Lady. They call the movie The Painted Woman. So I want to watch it. Maybe it may be at the film festival here in two weeks. Okay. So there's a chance they're trying to get it in. They got it in one, so they'll look at it. We'll keep an eye out for that. Yes, yes. Because that's, that's always a big event here in Oklahoma City. And all of these books are put together uh, uh, by a publisher, and Casey Cowan is with us. Hi, Casey. Hi. Thanks and for having Your me. publisher is? Ogma Creative Media. And uh, you're based out of Fayetteville, Arkansas? Uh, Bentonville, actually. Bentonville, okay. Yes. Uh, this era, it's all one city. <laughs> it is. It is, and it won't be long before it'll all be one city with Oklahoma City, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that thing that brings our communities together, uh, the, the, well, it's not a turnpike all the way, but most of the time. Anyway, Highway 412. Yeah, yeah, yeah 412. Yeah. Uh, but, Casey, uh, the importance of this era to your publishing house, uh, this World War II era and immediately post-World War II. Um, well, uh, you're, you're talking to a, uh, a history nut here. Uh-huh. Uh, my, I was uh, an Air Force brat growing up, so I was uh, very uh, steeped in this in this time period. Especially, my father was another military history nut, and uh, so I grew up learning about the Greatest Generation. And then I, I went to school and read and read and read about it, and uh, eventually ended up in college. And my my goal at that point was not to start a publishing company, but to become a uh, a professor of military history. And World War II was one of my biggest areas of study. And so, even though I didn't follow that track, and I ended up uh, starting this company instead, um, being able to talk about this time period, which I believe is 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 one of the most significant periods in American history, not to mention you know world history. This is the biggest war in in, in the history of the entire world. Um, but being able to the collective memory at this point is shrinking about yeah, World War yeah. II. And so that opens us up, as a country, that opens us up to a lot of, we don't have the, the memory of what happened, of the horrors and everything, so we have more people that are banging the drum of war and, and uh, jingoism and things like that, that they don't recall just how horrible this really is. The the martyr rockies of, of, of Germany or America or anywhere else, the, the horrors that they saw and the trials that they faced, there's there's no one still going out there and conveying it because our, our World War II veterans are, are we're losing them at a rate of, I, I think I read something like 200 a, 200 a month or something sure. like that recently. Yeah. So being able to get out these great books fiction and nonfiction about what happened in that time period is essential, I think, to, to the American public and, and to getting that in their head so that we don't end up making the same mistakes that we used that we did 70, 80 years ago. Casey Cowan uh, is with us along with uh, Cecilia Wilson and Dusty Richards. We're at Full Circle Books on News Radio 1000 KTOK. It's a book signing party for Shortgrass and the publication of John J. Dwyer's book, but we have other authors here as well. Cecilia, I saw you nodding when you were talking, when he was talking about the significance of keeping some of these memories alive. Um, it seems to me that uh, I, let me just ask you the question, I guess. Is, is, is there more nostalgia attached to World War II because it's the one that is fading, or is it because it involves so many more people? Good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I love everything about the era for so many different reasons. Um, 
I appreciate the courage and the fight and the stand that they had to take against odds, you know, that they were facing. Uh, I don't know that anyone wants a war, but there's times when you have to stand and fight. And we saw these gentlemen tonight that mm -hmm. understood that. And as young men, they went out and did that. My book is this different perspective. And I have a matter of fact, I'm very honored to have the child whose voice I tell my story uh, about uh, is here with us tonight, Edith. She's 81. She was a German resident. She she wound up marrying a man from the United States Air Force in the 50s. Mm -hmm. um, but but we need to be reminded of those things, and, and we need to we need to hear their voices. And there's millions of stories out there. Uh, so I'm honored to have be able to tell one from a different perspective. I don't know what it is about that era. Again, I love love the movies from the era. I love the. Uh, the uh, the lightheartedness from the era, and yet it became very very serious too. Mm -hmm. uh, the war affected it affected everyone, regardless of what side you were on. Dusty, we really intended to have the Blue Roan cult here, which okay. is my story, and it's about a man who, out of 250 men in his company, 15 of them survived the Battle of the Bulge. Oh goodness! And he came back to the United States. He wanted to get on a horse and ride to the end of the world. He had machine guns going off in his head and everything else. Yeah. And in place of that, he found a ranch that had been abandoned. And this all came from a real-life story that I turned into a fiction book. And, you know, fiction has to move. And sure. People's lives are not always that interesting to involve. So <laughs> we wrote this book and based it on the things that happened and, and could have happened. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Put that together, and, and it would, I think it. We, we'd hope to have it here. It's and, called Blue Roan Colt. Blue Roan Colt. As in the, the pistol? No. Okay. As in the horse. Okay. It's a Blue Roan Colt. Oh, a Blue Roan Colt. I'm, I'm okay. Yes, but you're all yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we live with six guns in the West. Yes. <laughs> this is the case of a horse, and he, it's tied around a man who had a very expensive Palomita mare mm -hmm. and a blue roan colt that she had that was running loose, and all these guys are chasing it. And my man thinks it's because they don't know what they're doing. They're just on a horse chasing it, and they're yeah. running Sam Hill out of it. And he wants to catch it and get it out of that, and mm -hmm. that's in the background for a story of, of a man who actually was one of the 15 men who survived that battle. And that's, that's, I think that people come home from war, you know. And yeah. Well, that's the, what I wanted to move on. The response of it yeah. comes, I think, probably two of the nicest emails I get. And I put my, my email in every book because mm -hmm. I want to hear what people say. Two fellows that were captains in the Army. Don't think they even knew each other. Sent me a thing. It said, you got me through two tours of Afghanistan. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Keep writing books. <laughs> now, two different fellows within about six months wrote me that. You know, that's, that's, yeah. they couldn't have given me an honor that high. Casey, I know you're not an expert on uh, on post-war psychology, but uh, a little of, of what he was touching on, what Dusty was touching on, is what I wanted to ask next. You know, there seems to be more reluctance to talk about the uh, the war experience, especially recently, but but not so with World War II. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I, I, I hesitate to say that World War II was, quote, the last good war uh, in terms <laughs> yeah. of, of, of American history. Um, you know, we, were, we were united to an extent as a country that, that we haven't been since except in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. Um, now there is, I, I, I think, less, there's more stigma attached to the horrors of what's going on over there that we're perpetrating, that we're not so much defending mm-hmm. as we are offending. And, uh, you know, in World War II, we were very much, we were saving the world from fascism and imperialism. Whereas now we're in these little wars here and there, and yeah, we're, we're um, taking on terrorism, but by what means? How are we doing this? Are, are we really, are we bullying nations? Are we doing these things to civilians and everything? And, and what is our cause to do that? And so um, our people come home having gone to the edge, having done these things, and back then they were actually defending they're, they, they, they were defending something larger, whereas yeah. what now they're defending something that's a bit murkier. And I think that um, really plays into the psychology of, of coming home and dealing with PTSD from some of those things. And, and I think one of the things that about World War II that, that also resonates with people, I think there was this clear line between good and evil. Yeah. And I think it yeah. was so simple and so out there that it that was easy to stand up and say I'm, this is the side i'm going to be on cecilia wilson uh dusty richards casey cowan thanks for joining us and thanks thank for you. being thank here you. we're at full circle books we're uh, celebrating the era uh, getting into memorial day weekend with the release of short grass by john j dwyer he's busy signing copies he can sign one for you coming up on news radio 1000 ktok we've got more memories coming your way as well more veterans to speak with and uh more literature to talk about News Radio 1000, KTOK, it's Lee Matthews and The Drive. We are live at Full Circle Books, where we're having a signing party for the publication of Short Grass, a novel by John J. Dwyer. It is a World War II Dust Bowl-era novel that John has written. He is a a history professor at uh, Southern Nazarene University. We also have some of the members of the Greatest Generation joining us. So it's turned into kind of a pre-Memorial Day celebration on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Steve Coleman and Randy are here with uh, Honor Flight. And you guys have the honor of bringing some of these uh, Greatest Generation members to see their honors in Washington, D.C.? Yes, sir. And, Randy, you have one of the honorees with us. Yeah, uh, I have with me uh, Charlie Clark. Charles Clark. I call him Charlie. <laughs> Charles, tell us, uh, what, what, what was your role in World War II? Well, I was in the Navy, but attached to aviation. Mm-hmm. And I was on a ship, and we set up Naval Air Supply Depots all over the Pacific, the uh, Marshall Islands, uh, Guam, Saipan, Tinian. We uh, went down to the Solomons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we supplied a few parts there, and then came back and uh, came back to Guam, Saipan, and Tinian. Then we ended up in Okinawa. Oh goodness! Yeah. So, so you were in a supply capacity in Okinawa? We set up the supply depots. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but from our ship. We carried wings, fuselages, engines, Pratt mm-hmm. Whitney, Lockheed, all of them. Was that uh, up into and including the invasion, or was it post-invasion? Actually, uh, this was during the war. Yeah. Uh, there was only two ships like it in the whole Navy. 
and uh, uh, there was one other, but I can't take the name of it. But mm -hmm. uh, it was a uh, it was good duty. Uh, didn't see a, didn't see a whole lot of action, but did see some. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, Kind of thankful for that. Well, I would be too. You know, I talked to so many, Steve, I, I talked to so many of the greatest generation who wanted to see action. Uh, I would have been one of the ones that said, no, not me, thank you. Well, <laughs> so, I, what, what, I saw action, but yeah. uh, not a whole lot. Okay. Well, I'm Saipantinian. And, and you're still here, so. Okinawa. Yeah. One interesting com uh, part of his service is that uh, the log of his ship indicates that he was that they were in Okinawa, coincidental with the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge that there was a recent movie oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. So you, know, you connect the dots, and we think that it was his ship that was providing the supplies for the... It must have been in some capacity. Right. Sure. Yeah. They connected been. with yeah. that battle, yes. Well, Steve, uh, Honor Flight is an honorable uh, organization. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're almost at the end of your mission. You've almost brought everyone to see the uh, memorials there in Washington, D.C. Every World War II veteran who applied to go got a chance to go. Mm -hmm. So, and our, our focus was World War II. Now, we did take a few uh, of the veterans who fought in the Korean War and even a few who fought in the Vietnam War, but... The focus of our group was World War II. Mm -hmm. Most of our board members, you know, our fathers were uh, veterans of World War II, part of the greatest generation. So, again, that was our focus, and that was the focus of the Honor Flight Network, which was the national organization that got this program started in 2005. Oklahoma was one of 131 hubs nationwide. And um, so the program... Uh, throughout the country has pretty much died down because this generation has aged out. Yeah, yeah. Or they've already gone and, right. and, and seen what it is you had to offer. Will you be refocusing uh, the, the goal? We have um, refocused in an interesting way uh, for a brief period of time. Uh, one of the interesting twists of our journey here was... Um, that there was a group that wanted to produce a documentary about mm -hmm. Oklahoma Honor Flights, and that group is called Lampstand Media. They're located downtown on Film Row. And so the documentary called A Journey to Honor will be part of the uh, Dead Center Festival, oh, film mm -hmm. festival uh, next month downtown Oklahoma City. And um, it'll be shown twice on, I think, the 11th and 12th of June. And then two days later, the film will be shown at Rose State College uh, in conjunction with a veteran, a, a Flag Day celebration that the city of Midwest City is putting on. So the Hudeberg Center at, um, at uh, Rose State College, with any of your listeners who may be interested in seeing the documentary, mm -hmm. coincidental with continuing to honoring these veterans, that would be their opportunity to do so. Okay, I hope that I can have you back on my program as we get closer to that release sure, date. Sure, And we'll tell more people about it. Also put some links up on the KTOK webpage. Thank you, okay? sir. Yes. Thank you, and thank you for your service to our country, sir. You're welcome. And thank, thank you. you for coming and joining us this afternoon. Let's update you on the news now on News Radio 1000 KTOK. News Radio 1000 KTOK. It's Lee Matthews and The Drive. We are here live at Full Circle Books. 
And the occasion is a uh, signing party not only for uh, authors Cecilia Wilson and Dusty Richards, but also our main honoree, John J. Dwyer, who's composed a uh, novel, a historical novel called Short Grass. John, you've been busy signing books. I have, Lee, and it's just an encouragement to, to be reminded that, you know, for a lot of folks, uh, and certainly your listenership, the type of folks that listen to KTOK in general, your uh, show in particular, uh, you know, we have a day like is coming up, Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and uh, it's great to know there's still folks around. They don't just look at that just as a day on the calendar when you barbecue or get together with friends and family. That's all great. But that there are actually events in our state and nation's history that landed that day on the calendar. And and it just as exciting, there's people actually walking around amongst us that made that history. And I know you've been interviewing them here today that these yeah. guys are still around walking amongst us and uh, sharp and, and have these incredible stories to, to, to share and uh, that hopefully we won't lose. When you uh, and you've written already some some history books and you've been a professor of history for a long time, uh, it, are you amazed at uh, people's lack of understanding of how linear history is? Absolutely, and and I would just use myself as Exhibit A, Lee. You know the Oklahomans book that you and I have talked about before mm-hmm. on this program, uh, the Oklahoma history book that I've written. Um, you know, that was a 10-year project, and a big part of that was because it took that long to get Dwyer, the history professor at Southern Nazarene, up to speed on a lot of things I didn't know about that I didn't uh, uh, retain after growing up in Duncan, Oklahoma, getting Oklahoma history courses and all. Mm-hmm. So there, there is so much history that is compelling and inspiring that we, we have missed. And I think that's what, what I'm about is to tell in an exciting way that that draws the reader in not just a story but hey a story about a particular something that that like you're saying that the the past of this state well what happened what was it like here 50 70 years ago my i see these pictures in my uh out my picture album of of grandparents or great-grandparents but that's all i know what they do well you've been interviewing these guys today that we might pass in the doctor's office you don't realize that guy uh, was flying in a B-24 as a tail gunner, 25,000 feet up in the air, as Captain Bob Williams was. Mm-hmm. An ME-109 fighter plane comes in and blows out the entire tail section, and he flies back to England at 25,000 feet with the Arctic air blowing in on him. Yeah, yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, in my own history, uh, I have a great uncle who fought in World War One, came home, only to find that the Spanish flu that he had survived in uh, in World War One was being infected in his family when he and his mother and his father both died of it. So not only did he live there, and this is what I understood about Uncle Uncle uh, John. Yes, he was he was that weird uncle. Yeah. Well, there was a reason he was weird. Yeah. He probably had PTSD and a lot of guilt because he felt like he brought home the bacteria that killed his parents so i mean there's all kinds of stories like that as well well you're right and we talk about our our history in particular oklahoma history uh you know that the generations that went through that in particular this this group you know our book short grass this new historical novel i've written it's about a a fictional western oklahoma farm boy Mm -hmm. uh and he's growing up he's a he's a, a likable young fella he's a great natural athlete uh 
plays on the first great football team ever at the University of Oklahoma with Waddy Young. Some of your listeners know that Waddy Young was a real uh, character. Uh, can, can I get you to hold it right there? Absolutely. Because i got to do traffic and weather together, but I also wanted to talk more about the reason we're here, and that is the publication, which is out today. News Radio 1000 KTOK, Lee Matthews live at Full Circle Books. It's been a bit of a party. You know, a lot of people taking Friday off, and I envy you if you are. Uh, but so we're kind of starting the celebration a little early with a uh, book signing party for Short Grass by John J. Dwyer, the author and historian is with me now. You are about to tell us a little bit about the plot of your historical novel. So it is fiction, Short Grass. Sure, Lee, and it is. Uh, Short Grass is the story of, of a fictional character, Western Oklahoma farm boy, growing up during the Dust Bowl. So as I was saying, you know, being a longtime history prof at Southern Nazarene University, I can't write drama and fiction without tying history in there in a very thick fashion because uh, I just love it and there's so much interesting stuff that, that frankly, most of us don't know, including myself. And so uh, in this story, what we see is a, is a fellow growing up that, that is a Mennonite. So he's from a church family that's pacifist, uh, non-resistant type uh, beliefs. Uh, but yet he has this great natural athletic ability that leads him into uh, scholarship at the University of Oklahoma, what wound up being the first great Oklahoma football team. And we have fictional and non-fictional wrapped together in this to push our story forward. He winds up on the team with the great Waddy Young, and I'm mm-hmm. sure some of your listeners know that that was the first consensus All-American football player at, at OU. Uh, I saw when he got inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame back in the mid-'80s, he was a pro football star. Um, and then he, as World War II neared, Waddy Young laid down that career and volunteered to ultimately become a, a, a bomber pilot in Europe and then he finished his uh, tour of missions and volunteered to become uh, a commander one in the first squadron of B-29 super fortresses ah. in the Pacific, which, as you know, uh, ended the war. You know, they mm-hmm. dropped the uh, atomic bombs. Well, uh, our fictional character, Lance Roark, gets tied in together with this Waddy Young. So what our readers are going to see is what it was like in Oklahoma in the 1930s living on a farm when the chinch bugs and the boll weevils and the droughts and the black blizzards and all uh, made life so difficult that, you know, over 100,000 Oklahomans left for California and other places because they just could not uh, uh, make a living yeah. on the land anymore. Uh, but also that many stayed here and, and sucked it up and toughed it down and what it was like for those people. And then right about the time that the Dust Bowl is finally finishing, not because of New Deal economic policies, which after nearly a decade were unable to solve the problems, but because it started raining again. Yeah, <laughs> mainly. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that gave a little bit of a break. But then you have World War II coming, and you have these, these kids, this young generation of teenagers, college-age kids, that have, have soldiered through the uh, Dust Bowl and the worst depression in American history in the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. And now all of a sudden you have the greatest conflagration in world history uh, 
uh, wrapped around the shoulders of this same young generation. So that's the characters you're going to read about in Shortgrass is Lance Rourke, who's fictional, Waddy Young, who's real. Uh, we and then we've got female characters, but but the the point is that you're going to see it through the eyes of these young people that had to lay down what young people normally do, fun and frivolity, and go off and fight against some of the greatest military machines in world history. And and we take the book. Uh, the book covers up through Pearl Harbor through the first year of the war, and then that's going to set the stage for Mustang, which is the sequel that will be out Memorial Day next year that covers the entirety of the European air war in the cockpit. You're going to be flying in a B-17 and a P-51 Mustang cockpit and seeing it up close and personal. Uh, first person to come in, by the way, and you, you can't already be here, but the first person to come in a full circle books and just give me the year that uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. we got a free copy of Short Grass for you, autographed by John J. Dwyer. And, John, what is the significance of short grass, or is that something that is to be revealed in the plot? Well, I don't think it would be too much of a spoiler. It's kind of on the cover, too. But this is a young man's growing up uh, out around Duncan, Oklahoma, southwest Oklahoma, which is where I grew up, so I'm Mm -hmm. familiar with the, the territory. And they call that the short grass country down there, western Oklahoma, southwest, northwest Oklahoma, because there's really not enough rain to uh, get the roots running deep enough to have tall grass or forests and that sort of thing. So, of course, there's some figurative meaning to it. Uh, uh, It's dry, dusty, barren, and, you know, he spends a long time wanting to get out of there. But as readers will see by the end of the second book, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for. You may wind up looking back and saying, man, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. John J. Dwyer, author and historian. Short Grass is the name of the book. We're signing copies here at Full Circle Books, first floor of 50 Penn Place, otherwise known as the Matthews Office Building, The Mob. And uh, I wanted to ask you more significance about Memorial Day because we're about to launch that uh, most summer of summer's weekend. But there's more to it than that. News Radio 1000 KTOK, Lee Matthews. We've had a really good afternoon here on the drive. Hope you've enjoyed it, too. Talking to some of the greatest generation and talking to John J. Dwyer, who's a professor of history at SNU and uh, written a book called Short Grass, which is out. Today's the publication date, right? It's officially out. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh- we're really excited about that. Uh, for folks that want to read a, just a, a, a story, of, a historical adventure and romance story that also gives you uh, an up-close-and-personal look at the, what it was like in Oklahoma in the Dust Bowl and World War II. And you and I have been talking about these World War II veterans that you've had on the show today, which mm-hmm. most of us don't realize. There's guys still walking around in their 90s. Some of them are centurions that are sharp as attack. That These guys, some of them drive. You were talking about one of them, uh, Captain Kennison, doesn't wear glasses. And he's in his 90s. Come on. What do you want? That might have been part of why he was the youngest pilot in the Pacific Theater in World War II. Must have been. But, you know, these guys are still around, and we can avail ourselves of their stories. And uh, we were talking a moment ago about how we had this impression that the World War II guys, they went and did the job. They came back. They didn't complain. Uh, they didn't ask for, uh, you know, handouts and all this kind of stuff. They didn't spend a big part of their life in rehab and all these things. Well, that's true. But, but what we overlook is that those guys, they had they paid just as much a price as Vietnam veterans, Iraqi war veterans, Afghanistan, in, in the mental, in the physical toll. These guys, I remember when I was a kid growing up as a baby boomer, they call it shell shock. 
I remember I was explained to me, well, occasionally you know, he can't hear that good. Occasionally he gets a little dizzy. But, well, those guys have PTSD. Yeah, they, that's what we know of it now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They brought back psychological scars. They bought, brought back. One thing my mom did remember about my father, uh, he never talked about the war. He was in the U.S. Army in the Pacific Theater for three years, 43 to 46. Went over there with a full head of curly blonde hair, came back bald as a cue ball, had wow. malaria, strafed by Japanese zeros in New Guinea. We only know that because he told his dad. One thing my mom did remember, she would ask him about the war, and he would say, well, someday, honey, I'll tell you about that. Well, he died before he could yeah. tell her. But one thing she did hear him say was she would hear him moan and have the nightmares yep. at night. Yep. He would never talk about them, but he would, he would frequently have those. So get your vets to talk about it. And you know what, John? I've got documentation going back to ancestors of mine in the Civil War. Suffered the same thing after the Civil War. Old Uncle Dudley just wasn't the same after the war. Well, of course not. It's what we now know of as PTSD. So hug a vet, reach out to them, get them to tell their stories. We're so glad, John, you told your story of short grass. It is available here at uh, 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 not only here at Full Circle Books, but Amazon, other book Amazon, Barnes & Noble, yes. Um, but we- you can only get it signed while John is here at Full Circle Books. So come on by on your way home. News Radio 1000 KTOK. You're welcome. Good night, ladies. Good night.